welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for what you are doing and for what you're releasing um, in us individually and as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have been following along with the series that we've been doing, um, Debbie started um, last week by saying that that was the fourth and final installment of the series, but you didn't consult me um, about whether that, that was the fourth and final. So this is the fifth and <coughs> maybe final installment of the series. Um, so something that Debbie said and something that we have been discussing since she said it was the statement where she, she spoke about, um, yeah, um, she spoke about time and how the way we see time and the way God sees time is a very different thing. And, um, you know, man, when, when we approach time, time is kind of like we look at it chronologically, we look at it, um, almost evolutionary. So we, in order to understand the present, we consult the past and we look back at the past. And so everything in the present and in our present life, we, we understand as cause and effect. And as a result, often in the same way, when we look at our future, we understand our future by, by consulting the past or where, uh, where we are now. And yet God sees things often very differently. And I've really been meditating on that. And, and as, I was, uh, as I was thinking about that, I realized how dramatically your view of time can affect your faith and your hope. Because often you can get to a place in God and in time, where what has come before has so impacted the way you're living and your faith and your, ho- uh, your hope levels that you, you battle to receive what God is wanting to release over your life. And so as I was meditating on this and as I was, uh, was praying about it, I felt the Lord begin to release an invitation to us. And I feel like God is releasing an invitation to us to think differently about our lives, about where we are, um, as a community and as a people, and even as a nation. Because there are promises that are hanging over us as a nation. And, um, and uh, so turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 55. And I'm going to read some, some scriptures and, um, and then just expound from there. Okay, so we're going, to, we're going to start with verse 2. I, I love, I love uh, verse 2. Isaiah 55 verse 2 says this. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear, your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Listen carefully to me. Listen carefully to me. I shall say this only once. And eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. One of the reasons why I so love that, uh, that scripture is because it, it reveals the heart of God towards you. You see, when God releases His Word, when God speaks His Word o- uh, over our lives, He does so with purpose. So, so God releasing His Word, when He gives you His Word, 
when he speaks over you, when he speaks over nations, he has a heart and he has a purpose behind it. And it's so important that you understand that because if not, we can get the wrong idea about the heart of God. And so, so some people have this idea of the heart of God that, that God is releasing his word to control the world. You know? And so maybe, you know, you would read it like, listen carefully! And many people have that idea of God that God is screaming from heaven at an out of control world. But here, if you read it, it says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. God, first thing, God's heart for you is good. And delight yourself in abundance. I firmly believe that poverty is from the pit of hell. Poverty in any place, in any nation, at any time, is not God's plan. And, and, and you know, sometimes people come to me and, and they want to kind of make a spiritual argument uh, for this. And say, you know, poverty is, uh, is spiritual. But I want to ask you, if you were a parent, would you choose like, you know, like, you know, my greatest heart is like, my child, I want this one to be prosperous. That one, I really want that one to be really poor. I want them to struggle all, all the way through their life. I mean, unless you're really evil, like, it just doesn't happen. And it doesn't matter. It, that, that inclination of the heart is across all cultures and all peoples, no matter what your religion. They don't have a heart for the next generation to struggle. In fact, most often, parents will lay down their lives to give their children a better life. And this is the heart of God too. Incline your ear to me. Listen that you may live. Now that word live is it's the God kind of life. God wants to release on the earth a level of living, a level of existence that is like his life. And this is how he does it. Going, uh, going over to verse uh, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the unrighteous man uh, and the unrighteous man and his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. We're starting Isaiah 55 verse 6. We've gone over to verse 6. Um, let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion uh, on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen to this part. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than, uh, than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so will be my word that goes forth from my uh, mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So here's the invitation. You see, there's two ways of thinking that are delineated in this passage of Scripture. There's a natural way of thinking and there's a natural way of behaving. And yet there is a supernatural way of thinking and a supernatural way of behaving. Now the interesting thing is, is like, 
God doesn't say, your thoughts are wrong and my thoughts are right. He just says, my way of thinking is higher than your way of thinking. My way of behaving is higher than your way of behaving. I was trying to think of an illustration of how I could explain this. But, you know, every time you add a dimension to something, it, it, it changes the nature of how you can behave. So if you lived in a two if you live in a two-dimensional um, uh, universe, once that third dimension is added, something something changes. So for example, for hundreds of years there was no flight. Humankind did not did not benefit from flight. So if you wanted to go from London to Vladivostok in uh, in Russia, um, you would take, up until a couple of hundred years ago, you would take ships and trains and carts and everything, and, you, and people would, would often say to you, well, in order to go there, you need to go from London to Paris, and then all the stops along the way, because it was, it was very much a two-dimensional journey. It would take you months to go from London to Vladivostok, which is right in the, uh, on the... Um, eastern side of Russia, pretty much into, this, into Siberia. But today, you want to go from London to Vladivostok because we have flight, because there's another dimension added, you've got a completely different way of going. Now, is it true that you have to go, well, if you're in two dimensions, yes, you have to go London, Paris, and all the stops along the way until, until you get there. But today, there's a different way to do it. Because there's a third. Now, God's thinking is a little bit like that. You see, God's thinking, it, it doesn't rule out our way of thinking, but it's just higher. We get to think higher. So, so like, if someone, if someone falls down and they bre uh, uh, break their leg, we know that, naturally speaking, they need months to heal. But in God's dimension, that can happen in a moment. In, in, in God's dimension, we have access to thinking that is higher. We have access to ways of behaving that, uh, that is high. And I believe that God is inviting us to think differently about all of life and about the future, to think from His perspective. So when, when we look at our, like, that this, the, the statement that Deb's made that just so challenged me, was that when God looks at time, God looks at time promise through promises. He, he looks, we see time as just like flowing on, flowing like a, uh, like a river. But when you think like that, you've unconsciously fallen into the mistake of believing that God himself is trapped inside of time. God is not, he's in time, but he's not trapped inside of time. He created time, God is above time, and his, his thinking is supernatural. And the, the word supernatural is above natural thinking. So, when we look at history, Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that in Christ, all things are going to be summed up in Jesus. So the direction of history is Jesus. That's where history is going. If you're looking from a kingdom perspective. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would not have told us or taught us to pray a prayer that he did not mean to answer. He, he, you know, he wouldn't have taught us to pray, your kingdom come, if he knew that the kingdom was not going to come. Amen? And, and, and he's not up in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I thought it would work out. But it's just really not working out. Those human beings are really mean. He's not looking like that. Because he knows that all of history has a divine impetus and direction and it is the kingdom and the kingdom will fill the earth. And he has said that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And like I've said so many times before, when you go down and you look at the sea, you don't see pockets in the sea. Water covers the sea pretty universally. Wherever there's sea, you will find water. So water covers the sea. And in the same way, there's coming a time when the presence and the character and the nature and the kingdom of God is going to cover the earth in such a way that you, you will see earth, you will see kingdom. That is God's uh, promise to us. And so there's this invitation to us to begin to think differently. And so, I was thinking about it specifically in terms of history. So when Jesus was born, Jesus is born, he is the promise. But he's born in a time of unbelievable turmoil. The, the Israelites, who have been believing for Messiah, believing for kingdom, in that generation, they are oppressed by, uh, by the Romans. In fact, the very coming of the promise provokes persecution of a high level on Israel. All the babies in the Galilee area get, I mean, no, in the, in the Bethlehem area, all the babies get slaughtered. Think of that. Imagine you were Mary and you're just hearing about, about soldiers coming randomly into houses, killing children. And then an angel comes and tells you, listen, Herod's looking for your baby. So they flee. Man, such a tiny little baby. Such a tiny little promise. Because, you know, even though Jesus was a supernatural baby, you're still a baby. Sometimes God's promise comes into your life just like that. It feels like just a tiny touch from God. Maybe something like the encounter that you had this morning. And it feels like, wow, this was wonderful. But, but it, it feels like, man... Uh, Will it be over tomorrow? Will it, you, you know what I'm saying? And this promise comes, but there's turmoil all around this encounter that you're having. And you wonder, is this enough to fulfill what God has promised? I want to tell you, God's purposes are not cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. But God's purpose in your life is promise-based. And God is drawing you divinely to what He's called you to. Isn't that good news? So God made a declaration. He said that his, his son was coming. But he spoke about the fact that when his son came, that of the increase of his government, there, should, there would be no end. Now, if you'd gone and told those Roman soldiers or those, 
those Jewish soldiers who were slaughtering all those babies at that time, that you know, you don't understand what Herod is going to disappear. What you are doing, no one, uh, no one's, you know, that's not going to make, but this little baby will end up changing the world. They would have thought you nuts. They would have thought you could. And yet, within a couple of hundred years, the kingdom had grown and, and the gospel had spread across the world in such a way that the Roman Empire fell, but the church of God had grown throughout the known world. That's happened again and again and again in history. Another example of a promise-based thing in history, Joseph. Joseph, he's a young man. He's, he's probably in, the, in his teens. And God begins to speak to him about the divine destiny on his life. He has dreams and he goes to his brothers and he says, Hey guys, I have this awesome dream. The rough interpretation is the time is going to come when all you guys and mom and dad are going to come and bow down to me. Don't you think that's awesome? Well, they were a little upset about this. And it released persecution into his life. And before he knew it, he was a slave in a foreign country. And just when he thought things could not get any worse, he got thrown into prison for standing up for God. Can you imagine that? He was like, no, Lord, I know you'll be faithful. I will resist this wicked woman who's trying to seduce me. No, I will not jump into bed with her. And as a blessing as a result of that, it gets worse. And he gets into, uh, he's in prison for a number of years. Things start getting better where he becomes prisoner number one. <laughs> Woo! Ruling his kingdom, an Egyptian prison. And at this point, a couple of guys come to him with dreams. Now, I want you to think about it. When they came and said, listen, I had these dreams. I would have been the guy, very possibly, I could have been the guy who would say, hey, dreams, let me tell you about dreams, buddy. Dreams got me here. Just take your dreams. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything about your dreams. But he doesn't do that. He sits down and he interprets their dreams and he has a right heart, uh, a right heart with God and they come true. And God blesses Joseph with two more years in prison. And then the promise happens. Because no matter what, God is drawing his life to the promise that God has called him. You see, because God's view of time is not evolutionary, it's promise-based. So if we know that, and if that is what God, uh, God's saying to us, how do we react now? And I'm going to end with this. And this, I want to I encourage you to begin meditating on the promises that God has spoken over you over your family, over our nation, and over the world. Because there is a way that God releases His Word in, uh, into the earth. And it, it's interesting, I was, I was thinking about this thing where He talks about the, the cycle of rain and snow. You know, rain and uh, snow, it, uh, it f comes down to the earth, it waters the earth, it causes it to bear, uh, bear um, fruit and sprout and gives you uh, bread for eating, etc., but then it evaporates and returns to the Lord. That's a natural cycle. But there's a word cycle as well. You see, there's a word cycle in the kingdom that we called to imitate. And this is the word cycle. God releases his word into the earth. But God, as he releases his word, he's looking for those who will hear his word 
and begin to release his word back to him. So it looks like this. God, re- God speaks and releases his word and then we, man, hears and believes that word. So there's a word hanging over our nation that, that Cape Town will be a, 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 a city of revival. That fire will break out in the city, burn its way up through Africa and touch the rest of the world. This word has been released over the city consistently for over a hundred years. Well, what do we do with that word? Do we sit, you see, sometimes people just hear the word of the Lord, hear the promise of the Lord, and they go, ooh, wow, that's that. Ooh, that's cool. I'm watching you see this happen. That's really awesome. And then they wonder, how long is it going to take, Jesus? But you see, in the same way that the Lord speaks about a cycle here, there's a cycle of faith. And the cycle of faith is this. When the Lord speaks the word, we receive the word. We choose to believe the word. But then we begin, like the Lord, to speak that word back to him. And we begin to make declarations into, uh, uh, into our future. So, for example, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The Lord's released that word over each one of us. It's in uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Get that word, read that word, believe that word, and then begin to declare it over your life. God says about me, He knows the plans He has for me. There are plans for good and not for evil. Don't be standing in your life and looking at that and going, oh, Jesus, some bad stuff's happened. <laughs> God doesn't have a clue about His plan for my life. But we, we don't declare what we are seeing, we declare what we're hearing from the Lord. Amen? And we hear, and we speak, and we declare. And as we do that, do you know what happens? Is God's word begins to get, re- and his purposes start getting released and accomplished in the earth. And then, praise and worship returns back to the Lord. And there's a cycle of faith that's happening. So I want to encourage you today. God's spoken words over your life. And God is speaking. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, Jesus, I haven't had any prophetic words, but you know, it's okay. You've got a Bible full of prophetic words. Like Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Like, like God's plan for, uh, for healing. Like God's plan for salvation. Behold, I'm with you. I will, uh, uh, always until the very end of the age. Matthew 28 verse, uh, 18. Go and, go and mine the word of God for the promises of God and begin believing them and declaring them into, uh, into your life. That's how God invites us to begin thinking differently. And, but the difficulty is, is this. It's like you can only actually embrace one way of thinking. You know, it, it's, it's a choice. You, you can't like be thinking like God and then thinking like man and thinking like God and thinking like man. No, you, you've got to choose. You can't get on the train to Vladivostok and the aeroplane. You gotta choose. You gotta choose. You gotta uh, either decide, am I gonna, am I gonna embrace and believe the word of God over my life? Over my nation? Over the future? Am I gonna fill myself, myself full of hope because I believe that there's a good God with a good plan for nations? 
or am I going to fill myself with a fear and doubt because I see fearful, doubtful things happening all around me? You've got to choose. Amen? And, and I believe God is inviting us to be people who in this time of turmoil release and speak faith and hope into nations and, and alter the destiny of peoples and nations. That wherever we go, we are a light to, uh, to the world because we're carrying something inside of us that's different from what people can just see. And it's not that they're wrong. It's just the invitation is, is to think higher, to think differently, to, to live at a di- in a different dimension. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we, we come before you and we, we hear your invitation. We hear your invitation to believe differently, to think differently, and to live differently. Lord, I, I pray that you would release on us today grace for repentance. Grace to repent. In the sense of grace to just think differently about us, about you, about life. Lord, show us your thoughts and show us your ways and give us grace to live in your ways and to think your thoughts and to speak your word over our lives, over our families, over our community and nations, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.